welcome to the Crescent Podcast. I'm Leanne. This podcast is an extension of my personal philosophy and commitment to continual growth in all areas of life. I firmly believe that optimal health comes from addressing all areas of us as human beings, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Through expert interviews, I hope to both inspire and enable you to create sustained change in your own life. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy. Well, happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome back to the Crescent Podcast. I'm your host, Leanne, and I'm so excited because it's my first podcast guest of the new year. For those of you who are regular listeners of the Crescent, you'll know that I've been doing many more solo episodes lately talking about my own Evox journey, working with clients, client testimonials, and things like that. But I love being able to do these guest interviews. And Amanda was so phenomenal and wonderful to talk to. She is on today to talk about breast implant illness and really her seven plus year journey of chronic, chronic illness and how she finally was able to identify that it was her breast implants that were really the source of her illness. So she details for us the many different symptoms she was experiencing over the course of those seven years and ultimately what led her to decide to remove her breast implants and then the healing that started to occur once those were removed. And just as a little bit of a teaser, she now works in Beverly Hills with Dr. Kevin Brenner, and they have developed a whole holistic breast care team and do many, many explants for women with breast implants who are having symptoms of breast implant illness. So we are planning to have another podcast interview with her and Dr. Brenner to talk about a little bit more of that process what to expect, how to prepare for explant surgery, how to recover smoother, et cetera, which I am so, so excited to be able to have that conversation. So definitely stay tuned for that to come out as well. So this was such an expansive, helpful, informative conversation with Amanda. So please consider sharing if there's anyone in your life who you think might be experiencing symptoms like this. It's we always need to start with educating ourselves. And I think hearing Amanda's story can be so wonderfully expansive for anyone else who might be in a similar situation. It could be, you never know, it could be that final root cause piece for them that's been missing. So thank you for tuning in and enjoy this conversation with Amanda. Well, Amanda, welcome to the Crescent Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So we actually connected over social media, but because you work with Jasmine Corsandi, who I had on the podcast, and I'm so excited because you're going to be sharing your story with us about breast implant illness. But kind of before we get into all of that, just give us a little bit about you, your background, how you got to where you're at today. Sure. Well, um, it's interesting. I've worked in the beauty industry for about 20 years now, everything from the day spa industry to med spas when they started and, um, and kind of everything in between. So I feel like I have a lot of experience. It's nothing that 
I, it was never like an aspiration of mine to work in the beauty industry. I actually, I laugh about this. I, I was a dancer growing up, so very into my body and, you know, taking care of myself and so forth. And I, I wanted to be, I thought I was going to be a solid gold dancer. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, you're probably too young, but solid gold. It was like a great show with Marilyn McCoo each week. And yeah, I thought I was going to do that. I really wanted to be a backup dancer for Janet Jackson. Like that was my goal as a child. But I always would say, even young, like five or six, which is so crazy to me now, when I grow up, I'm here to do something really important in the world. And I mean, I don't know if all five-year-olds say that, but it's like I knew instinctually there was something that was going to be important in my future. Mm -hmm. But so long story short, uh, my father, who was a doctor, he passed away when I was young, and it was very traumatic for me. I, I really didn't heal from it. Um, and, you know, when we have traumas like that, it can really affect our hormones and so forth. So when I was developing, my breasts didn't develop like other girls. I had something called tuberous breast deformity. And there are generally like two deformities that people, um, and a lot of people actually don't even know about it, but there's two. I've never heard of that. Oh, really? So the breast, and I had a very mild case and, you know, some women's are are not as mild, you know, there's a a range, Um, but there's tuberous, they don't necessarily develop all the way. So it's like you start developing, but the tissue, it just doesn't expand. So me being really tall and thin, I just didn't really have much breast tissue at all. And so um, it's something that really probably no one would have noticed but me. But, you know, we're our own worst critic. And I just think having something that I felt was abnormal or different made me very insecure. And I already had kind of OCD since I was a little girl. And so I just fixated on it. Now I wanted to look like everybody else. I wanted to look normal. I wanted to, you know, date when I got older and I just didn't feel comfortable, you know, when I got into my teens, early twenties. So I decided I want to correct this when I was old enough. So in my early twenties, I started exploring options to fix the condition I didn't probably know the best surgeons at that time to go to. I chose one and he did do a surgical procedure. It was now in hindsight, because I know so much, probably not the right one. It's it's a lift that they do, like a Benelli lift. And it really just didn't do enough. So I was disappointed after the surgery because it was a big deal for me to do it. And so then, of course, the plastic surgeons say, well, we can just put an implant in because that will push out the tissue and it will give your breast, you'll have, it will look like more of a breast and it'll give a nice shape to it. And I just remember being kind of bummed out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just, I have nothing against implants or a woman wanting that. I just hear so often with patients now, I hear them say, I dreamt of this ever since I was a little girl to have breast implants. And here I was kind of the opposite, like, oh, you're kidding. I have to, because I'm just very natural. I never wore makeup. I just, I don't know. I just, it wasn't something that was on my radar. So I said, okay. I mean, that was how much I just kind of wanted to look 
quote unquote normal. So I, I did, I feel like do a pretty great job at that age. Um, I researched a plastic, another plastic surgeon, cause I was disappointed in the first one's work. And I found one, she was a female. She was very conservative. She was affiliated with the university of Washington. Um, and I thought she would do a great job. My friend had gone to her for something else. And so I really liked her and I felt comfortable. Well, that surgery was kind of disappointing again. I had saline implants put in in 2003. That was all that was available at the time. Yeah. Uh, for anyone listening, there was a period of time that silicone implants were actually banned from the market because um, so many women were having issues with ruptures and illness. And what they really didn't talk about was something called breast implant illness at that time. This would have been like in the 90s. And so I really was kind of too young for that to have been on my radar, right? I was like in junior high when all this was going down. So I didn't really know enough about it, but I did seem to recall like silicone's bad. <laughs> like I didn't, I did know that. So, um, so we put, she put in the, the saline implants and I, again, I was so thin that she could only put such a small one in that it. I don't know, like it, it pushed the tissue out, but it just didn't feel like it. I just didn't like, I guess, the placement and so forth. I'm thin, so I have a wide sternum. And so it kind of looked like two little tennis balls. <laughs> oh. And so like, I just, I didn't care for it. I, mean, I have a very aesthetic eye. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. I was bummed, but whatever, you know, I, I did it. Well, I got something called capsular contracture. Okay. Tell us what that is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so you know, women can get it. The breast can be, the implant can become hard and painful. We'll just put it like that. Mm -hmm. so layman's terms. Um, and so that happened immediately. And when that happens, sometimes if it's very, um, if it's very subtle, cause there's a grading, it's like goes from um, one to four. Mine was probably like a two, but if it's mild, sometimes it can improve. They can prescribe you something sometimes that can help, but oftentimes you end up replacing them. So I had to wait for about a year. And um, when I went back to replace them, my surgeon was on maternity leave. So I had to choose another one. So now I'm a third surgeon. Um, and again, did my research. I went with the one that my friend had just gone to because at this point, at least, you know, all my girlfriends had implants in her twenties. Mm. So it wasn't like, it was like so radical, you know, at least I thought, well, okay, you know, I've got right. to have them and, and they're fine. Cause again, I, it wasn't even on my radar to, to be sick and, you know, they were young and healthy. So, okay. So I went to another surgeon. So this was my third he did a lot of studies and he was affiliated one of these surgeons who even gets paid by the manufacturer to do these studies. Mm -hmm. Some of them make a lot of money doing these things, right? But I mean, I thought, well, okay, he must know, you know, what he's doing. And I liked my friend's breasts, how mm -hmm. hers worked out since I wasn't really happy with mine. Um, so I go and see him and I say, we need to replace it because I have capsular contracture. And he said, well, this time let's do silicone for sure, because you're so tall and thin, it's going to avoid you getting rippling on the side from the saline implants. Okay. And 
my 20 something self said, wait a minute, isn't silicone bad? Like, and he said, oh no, in fact, we've now improved them. They're new and improved. The shell of them is so thick, you'd have to have a spear go through it in order for it to rupture. And so, no, they're amazing. They're going to be amazing. And I said, okay, I, you know, I was a little reluctant. And he said, and I'm conducting a study and you're going to be part of it. So we're going to track you, right? Okay. <laughs> Anything. But again, like, just like hearing this now, when we're 20, it's like they say, you know, it's like. Yeah. And they're the expert and we're really trained from a young age to trust the experts implicitly. Absolutely. Right. Especially like generations before us, like my parents' generation, you just trust what authority doctors say. Mm -hmm. That's how we're trained in (laughs) um, society. So I said, okay, sure. Fine. Great. Okay. I'll be part of a study. I mean, but yeah, just saying that now I just cringe thinking like that's even scary thinking like you even have to be part of a study to make sure that like you're going to be okay. So I had my implants put in. I never was called about being part of the study. Not that never heard about it again. And you just don't think about it. It's like you get your implants in and then like you want to recover from surgery and get out on with your life. So, and shortly thereafter, I was working at a day spa at the time. Um, A plastic surgeon came in to the day spa and we were talking and I was kind of telling her about my surgery. She said, and she was a facial plastic surgeon, by the way. Okay. But she said, would you want to come and work for me? Because, you know, you seem to be really passionate about helping others. And and I looked at it like, I I never even thought about working in medicine. My dad was a doctor, like I said, but I never thought of that. I was wanting to be a dancer. Um, And so, but I thought, well, gosh, if I can make other women feel good, you know, about themselves confidence wise, that even though this was a facial plastics, you know, maybe eventually I would work with a doctor who would do breast implants. So I really kind of fell in love with procedures that really I felt helped people Mm. if they'd had a traumatic accident or say like a Mohs procedure is what happens after you have a skin cancer removal. And I, I don't know why. That's just always been like one of my favorite surgeries. So I liked surgeries like that, I guess, more than say the cosmetic ones. So I started working in plastic surgery. And this is where we come to today, where now I've worked in the beauty industry and plastic surgery for 20 years. Then how did you, because I've read a little bit of your kind of like personal bio, and you talk about how you started getting sick and having these different symptoms. And what I'm curious is, first of all, what were some of the symptoms you were experiencing, but also how were you able to piece together that it was coming from the implants and what were the doctor's responses to you? Walk us through that journey. Well, I mean, that's the story. It is so (laughs) wild and there are just so many interesting pieces of it. Okay. So now I am one of the first women implanted with the new back on the market silicone breast implant no study like they promised. Right. Um, and so you get your surgery and you know how it is after surgery, you're recovering, but you're young. And so whatever, I don't, nothing stands out to me that was not typical afterwards. You know, it's not like I woke up and didn't feel well or anything like that. Everything seemed fine. But what I did notice, so I started having hormonal issues. 
but I would say that was like nine months to a year afterwards. And you're not going to equate it to the breast implants, or at least I did not. Started having night sweats, premenstrual insomnia. And that's where like several days before your menstrual cycle begins, you just don't sleep. Like not at all. Wow. (laughs) And I don't know if you've ever experienced not getting any sleep, even just two nights in a row, you kind of feel like you're going to lose your mind. (laughs) So I, um, so I had night sweats, premenstrual insomnia. I got a horrible ruptured ovarian cyst. Ooh. Yeah, it was bad. Like I've never, I've never, I don't even know if I knew what that was before it happened to me. And I can't prove it was linked to the breast implants. Right. I had never had anything peculiar ever in my life, not with the menstrual cycle, anything. So you get back to life. And I did notice, I will say back then, although it wasn't as extreme as it ended up to be, I started getting inflammation. Mm. like I was gaining like five to 10 pounds here. And that didn't make sense to me. Um, I'm almost five, eight. I, I weigh typically like about 120. Like right now I'm a little bit less. My body isn't the body type that really gains weight. So that was weird. Like even my high school girlfriends that would always tease me about being like olive oil. They're like, wow, you're putting on some weight, not in a rude way. Like, I know it's weird, right? Like I'm not eating anything different. Um, So first it started with hormonal and again, would never tie it back to the implants. Then the digestive stuff started. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've ever spoken to a woman with implants. I've spoken with so many at this point, even ones who don't feel like they're sick or don't feel like they have any symptoms. Every single one, they say we have digestive problems. Wow. And whether that is constipation, whether that is bloating, whether that's acid reflux, anything digestion, digestion wise, mm-hmm. that's something. It's just interesting, right? Yeah. Well, and I'm so curious if what is it about? I mean, I know that when things, when we have chronic inflammation, there's just a cascade and everything at some point is going to be dysregulated. Yes. What is it about the implants that can be causing that? I kind of think it's what you say. And I love that word cascade because that's what I try to explain now. I've become a health coach, by the way, because I realized, you know, going through this, if none of these doctors are going to really help me, I need to help me. And I said, okay, I'm going to learn from the best of the best. I started talking to German doctors. I started talking to holistic practitioners. And I don't know that we've figured out exactly why it affects the gut. But as we know, the gut is everything. Yeah. <laughs> That's our second brain. Yeah. Right? Everything is affected by gut health. Yeah. So, so I started having digestive issues. It didn't matter what I ate. I would get so sick. And my mom and I are trying to figure out, okay, what could this be? It doesn't matter if it's dairy or dairy. all of these things. We kind of thought maybe it's some sort of pesticide they're spraying on lettuce because I ate so many salads. That kind of made sense to me. But for two years, I had major digestive problems. Again, never would have related it. So I'm thinking this is probably now about 2006, 2007. Um, For the sleeping issues, I continued to have an issue with my sleeping. Um, So then they prescribe you Ambien. 
which I absolutely had. At this point, I, I will say too, I ended up also taking naproxen because of the menstrual cramps. Mm-hmm. Both of those drugs are so serious. Like I would never take those now. Ambien is downright scary. Um, and so I only took that for, gosh, maybe two months. And I was like, no, this is how it makes you feel. And I would say the weirdest things after I took one. It's, oh, wow. But it's bad. Like people sleepwalking and ultimately like endangering themselves. Hmm. To that point, you know, like this is never something I would have done. And I think it's just a testimony to truly how bad it was when you're not sleeping for years, when you've got this chronic menstrual pain for years, I think your body does just get to this point where it's like, I just want to survive. I just want to get to the next day, to the next week, whatever it is. You, you, you will do that out of being desperate. Absolutely. Desperation will do that. And then I also take in naproxen, which again, at the time I didn't know gut health, but so can you imagine so I'm taking it for menstrual cramps. Naproxen, hey, it works like a charm. Let me tell you, if you've got really, so that again, if today it happened, there's no way I would take that. There's no way. Mm-hmm. So going along, the inflammation kind of comes and goes. And so I thought it was weird, but then I thought, well, I'm getting older. Don't they say everybody gains weight? Right. <laughs> Which now I know we don't actually, because I'm just turned 48 and I still weigh the same amount that I did back then. Oh my gosh. Wow. So not everybody does. Right. And I just didn't, it didn't resonate with me. I'm intuitive. Right. There was something in your mind going, there's something off. Yeah. Yeah. So um, at that point too, I had worked for a surgeon who did breast implants so, and that's, and so I'm selling them now at this point, right? Again, no idea that the problem is like right under my nose mm-hmm. this entire time. And, um, and I'm enjoying it because I love helping people. That's just always been my thing. Always. Like I just, it just f- fulfills me to do that. And so let's fast forward to 2011. Um, I'm in a minor fender bender. I'm very like, the man hit me at the end of an off ramp. So it must've been like maybe 10 miles an hour, like no big deal. Um, now I had had an accident in 2001, two years before breast implants. Somebody hit me at about 60 miles an hour, they say from behind. So I'd already had a lot of issues with my neck and my spine mm-hmm. because of that. So this was like nothing. You would have thought I got hit by a Mack truck. The pain oh was so horrible. Or you couldn't even touch me. I was like that parasympathetic reaction. Yeah. You're like, oh, don't just don't. Eat. But yet I was trying to go to the chiropractor, trying to have massage several times a week, seeing a spine specialist. And they're looking at me like you couldn't be in this much pain. But the, see, there's always something you can blame it on. So I thought, well, you guys, I had that 2001 car accident. So obviously this just compounded everything. Mm, mm-hmm. I never would have thought that implants can cause this kind of inflammatory reaction. I even too went to my breast surgeon who put them in, the guy who didn't do the study. Okay. I was in this car accident again and I have a lot of pain. Can you just check and make sure the implants are intact and everything? 
isn't that wild? Like I almost, it's almost like my spidey sense. Yeah. But it didn't though. <laughs> like it, it, it led me, but it didn't really. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's so hard because I think so often our intuition is telling us something that the masses are telling us the opposite. And so we tend to sort of quiet it down or push it aside or act on it initially and then listen to whatever everyone else is saying. So, yeah. Right. And again, like I had never been sick before this. I'm that type of person that I never even really get a cold. So again, aside from like the rupture of variance system, the hospital, I'd never been to the hospital before. So when you're not feeling well, it really stands out to you. Like it's an overall feeling of malaise. I kept mm -hmm. saying like, I just overall don't feel well. So that's what really kind of like triggered the onslaught of symptoms. Um, so that was 2011, February. And so later that year, I had kind of another just emotional upset. But as we see now, I feel like, and I get it because we look at bodies holistically. I get it that a physical or emotional stress to the body can bring out all of these symptoms in a person. I feel like we all have a tipping point based on our lifestyle, based on it's probably genetics, you know, all of these things based on the fact I had trauma that was unresolved from childhood. I had this traumatic car accident in 2011. I'm sure that like further threw off my hormones, mm -hmm. right? lowers your immunity. And so you become very vulnerable. So I was very vulnerable. We'll just put it that way. Yeah. Wouldn't have been a good candidate for implants, really, if you were looking at the body holistically, mm -hmm. which they don't. Thinking what? Like, are we all the same? Are we all just like robots that you can just like implant these medical devices and expect mm -hmm. that there isn't something that could go wrong? <laughs> and I feel like oftentimes they're looking at each area of the body as an acute, separate, distinct area. Mm -hmm. You know, versus instead of going, everything is interconnected. Right. You know, our teeth are connected to all these meridians, yes. so many different things. And so mm -hmm. there's no way that you can do something to just one part of the body that's not going to affect something else. A hundred percent. But this is what is so sad. And some of us are realizing that now in medical school, these poor doctors who spend so many hours training, learning, right? The expense of it. And I've realized like they don't even learn that kind of basic information. They're just doing what they're told, right? Oh yeah, we can just put these in. I even say to people, a splinter when you get it, look how tiny a splinter is. That wants to get out of the body, right? This kind of reaction, by the way, it can happen with any medical device. Anything from a pacemaker to um, a chin implant, right? A calf implants, men hormonal birth control. I mean, all of it, all of it. I, I have men who contact me now and say, oh my gosh, your story's just like mine. All the symptoms. I felt like I was dying too. I have calf implants and I'm going to get them out. Right. And so we just don't know. And so I have this kind of upset. This is December of 2011. And I just remember it so, so um, clearly. I'm at work. My boss actually happened to be there that day. I am in the kitchen and all of a sudden 
a wave of vertigo came over me that was so real and so scary. I had to brace myself on the counter and she noticed it and she said, wait, what's going on? And I said, I don't know. All of a sudden, like, I just feel really, she's like, you need to go to the doctor or something. She's like, I can tell you don't feel right. And it was a feeling in my chest that never, ever went away until I explanted. Mm. And it wasn't a rupture. It was like massive inflammation. Oh, and I don't know what, like, open those, you know, the doors that day. Like, I don't know the, like, the floodgates. I just feel like open that day for whatever reason. It was December. It was this feeling in my chest. So, of course, the first thing I'm thinking is, I've got to have like bronchitis. Mm. I mean, like that's just like logical. But then I thought, well, I've never had bronchitis before and I haven't even had a cold. So where would this all of a sudden just, so I just dealt with it for several weeks, but finally, again, I was like, no, I feel like I need to see someone. So I go to the doctor and they say, they listen to my chest and he said, you have pleur pleurisies and inflammation of the chest wall. So, okay. How do you think I got it? He said, well, you had to have been sick, had a virus, something. I'm like, okay, well, I, I don't remember that. I never get sick, but okay, whatever. How do we get rid of it? And he said, you're not going to do anything. It's just going to get better on its own. And I thought, okay, all right. So I go along with life. It didn't get better. In fact, fast forward to April, I went to Scottsdale on vacation and you would think desert air, right? If you did have something going on again, it would never last that long, mm -hmm. but I would think it would feel better in a drier environment because I was living in Seattle where it's so okay. and damp. Worst trip. I felt horrible for whatever reason, dizzy still, the chest didn't feel. And I just, when you know something's not right, you can't really just live your normal life because you're scared. And I wouldn't have articulated it that way maybe at the time. Like I'm scared. Mm -hmm. but I think I was really scared. You know, at, at times I even thought, is it something worse? Like lung cancer? I mean, you, your mind just starts going wild. Yeah. So I get back from Arizona and I literally got off the plane and went straight to the ER. Because I said, this isn't right. I, I've got mm. somebody. So I spend, you know how you do, like eight hours there. Mm. <laughs> Every test, I'm like, I just don't feel well. At this point, maybe I didn't really have the inflammation though. So if you just looked at me, I looked really healthy. Yeah. I'm, I'm tan from being in Arizona. And I'm sitting here looking at their staff saying, I'm so sick. Like I, I, this has been going on. Something's really wrong. And they're looking at me and I get it. They're like, you look too good to be sick and as sick as you're saying. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, I get what you're saying, but you're not inside my body. So you don't know like how I'm feeling. And so they're taking every test. Well, finally they call down like the, um, the main doctor or whoever kind of was in charge that day. Mm -hmm because obviously they must've thought something weird was going on. And he said, hi. And then he said, I want you to walk around the corridor here. I said, okay. 
So I walk around the corridor and he said, come here. And then he took my pulse. He had me do this like 20 times and I'm not feeling well. So at one point I said, okay, why are we doing this? And he said, because I'm looking at you and you look so healthy. But when I take your pulse, it's almost like you're dead. Oh, wow. I had no history of low blood pressure. I've never had anybody say that to me before. And I looked at him and I said, but what does that mean? And he said, well, I don't know. And they're kind of looking at me like. they Now they believe something's up. Yes, definitely believe something was up, even though they thought it was strange and couldn't figure it out. So then I hear one of the technicians say, take her D-dimer. Mm. dimer count. Okay. So, you know, yeah, Um, I do, but share with the audience just in case. Well, it can be right. If it's elevated indicative of possibly like a stroke blood clot. As soon as they said that, I looked at them and I said, well, I just got off an airplane. So I'm thinking, right. That could be a, maybe a blood clot, Mm. even though I've been feeling like this for a while and I just flew and they're like, oh my gosh. And I, think at that point, I can't remember if I, I if it was a CAT scan or an MRI, but they said she needs to go and take that. Like they thought it was that too. So you take the tests. They're like, nope, everything looks amazing. And this is important because as time will go on between this appointment, now this is 2012, to when I finally figured it out in 2000, end of 2018, That is just something that all of these women too experience. My thyroid, every time I tested it, I know that I had hypothyroid disorder. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But if you take my blood, it looks beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so it seems like it's like this for a lot of these women. Or when I would get heart palpitations, I'd go to the ER and I would, you know, get hooked up to the EKG. Nope, everything's good. That is so frustrating because I'm sure they're kind of looking at you like, okay, you're a hypochondriac or you're wanting attention, whatever. And you're like, no, I feel so horrible. So this man in the the, um, emergency room, I really thought he was genuinely an amazing doctor. He really cared. You could tell. I mean, he was there with me. Finally, you know, they let you go after eight hours because there's nothing else to test. There's nothing else they can prescribe you, give you. So you're just like discouraged again. Like, I'm not, this is not getting better. I told him about the pleurisy and that they said it would get better. So he took it upon himself to leave a message for my primary care. And he said, listen, I have your patient here. I know something's wrong with her and it's kind of troublesome. I think you need to see her this week because I can't figure out what it is and I can't keep her here anymore. So I need to let her go home. So I go to see my primary care. And now instead of pleurisy, she's calling it costochondritis. Mm. Another inflammation inflammation in the chest wall, which a lot of women get when they're trying to figure out that they might have breast implant illness. They'll get that diagnosis. I've heard that a lot before. So I said, okay, now this time, how do I get it better? Because it's not getting better. And she said, I'm going to give you a steroid. Well, we all know that like, yes, while steroids fix things so well, it's like the worst thing you can take. I think one of the worst things to take it if you don't have to. But at this point, I'm desperate. I said, fine, great. Give me the steroid. I do feel like it did give me some relief 
for sure. Yeah. But but not very long, like maybe right. a few weeks or a month. And then the problem, the underlying problem is still brewing and getting worse and worse and worse because we're not addressing it. Right. Because I don't know what the root cause is because I'm never going to think this because by the way, working in plastic surgery, and this would be true from all of this, all this span of years, I never had one woman come in who sounded like me. That's Mm. pretty crazy not to have ever had one. So it would never be on my radar. Again, I was too young to know, I don't even think it was called breast implant illness back 30, 30 years ago. It had, it had several names throughout the year. Okay. So again, never heard of it. None, none of my friends have ever had it or anything, or none of them were sick from their implants. So, um, so I, I see her, she gives me the steroid after a few weeks. I said, okay, I did get a little relief, but I said, no, it feels exactly the same again. You want to hear what her advice was to me? I said, "What else? Like ice compress or something?" <laughs> it was so dumb. Oh my gosh! I mean, some of the stuff I heard was also just like such an eye opener because you're like, "Does anyone have any common sense?" <laughs> she said, "Just don't use your chest muscles." No, she didn't. <laughs> no, she didn't. Oh my gosh! Chest muscles. I mean. After you have breast augmentation, when you're so sore from putting the implants under the muscle, you can't even like open a door, flush the toilet. Like you need someone to help you with all of these things because your chest muscles are right. So just don't use your arms. Use your arms, basically. I mean, but a doctor's telling me this, so I go, okay, I quit my job. I know it sounds crazy. This is how desperate I was, even before I was really sick. I said, okay, I'll just enjoy the summer. And I did. And I tried to just relax because I thought maybe stress is causing this. I'm kind of a more of an anxious personality and um, didn't make any difference. Right. The inflammation is kind of coming. So I'm, I've put on like maybe 15 pounds at that point. Odd for me. But again, I thought I'm getting older. Um, and so spent that summer. So then I decided to move back to Los Angeles and I was working in plastic surgery down here. Well, things that I, because I had lived in LA a couple times, things that I love, like walking up, hiking up Runyon Canyon. I would have heart palpitations up Runyon that were so bad that I was like, I don't even think I can make it down. Like, I think that I'm going to have a heart attack. And, you know, so like one of your girlfriends is with you and I, the one that I partic- was on on that particular hike, I mean, she wasn't exactly compassionate. She's like, oh, you're fine. She's like, give me a break. You're not having a heart attack. When we did get home later, I said, no, I think I really want to go to Cedars. And mm-hmm. she's like, okay, well, I mean, if that's what you want to do. Again, you spend so many hours there. They give you an EKG and they literally look at you and they say, they like look you up and down. You're having a heart attack? Yeah, right. <laughs> And so many women have these heart palpitations with breast implant illness. And I actually spoke to a really lovely cardiologist at one point who was helping one of my patients. And he said, you know, I don't know what's causing this, but these are real heart palpitations. And I can't believe that you ladies are being treated like this by medical staffs because someone's going to have a heart attack one day if they're not taken seriously. And that, like, I've just never forgotten. I'm like, it's so scary. And my dad, I like I said, he died of a heart attack when I was little. He was a doctor and he died of a heart attack. 
and at a relatively young age, he was 58. So it wouldn't be unheard of. I was thinking, oh my gosh, I must have a heart issue that I just didn't know about. That made sense to me. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of going down that rabbit hole. And remember, I just feel so bad. So I am literally home teaching myself everything about the human body if I'm not at work. I'm on the computer. I'm looking up everything, trying to figure this out. My mom's helping me, you know? I'm sure, and I tried not to talk about it a lot. Like, I'm a pretty positive person, but I'm sure my friends got sick of hearing about it. But ultimately, I would say, and I couldn't articulate it at the time, I was really scared. And, and to feel like that and to be sick for seven years, seven years, I don't know, maybe people don't think that sounds like a long time, to be chronically ill every day for seven years, and you're going to all these different appointments and and the frustration of not, no one like having the answer, it's a hor- It's like a nightmare. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've been there, I think, for for my own root causes. Um, but yeah, there were probably like a solid maybe five to seven year period where I felt so awful every day. And mm-hmm. it affects the way you show up in the world mm-hmm. and the way you interact with people. And it's this constant cloud, this constant weight on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm sure people start to get sick of hearing it and sick of going like, okay, yeah, you can't be you can't be sick this long. Right. So maybe you're exaggerating it, whatever. But yeah, I totally, totally know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's so true. And but don't you find that most people who are in our fields, we've gone through a chronic illness. Isn't mm-hmm. that so interesting? I learned that on this journey. They said, well, it kind of makes sense that you're going to probably end up helping others because of this, because that's oftentimes what will happen. And honestly, every holistic practitioner I've spoken to, they all have a story of illness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, um, it's sad, but at the same time, I think sometimes those people are the best ones for that job. Right. You know, so. 100% we get it. Yeah. So, so, and then I'm having the heart palpitations. Anyway, this went on now. So this is now 2012 until 2018. It was everything from breast implant illness is a constellation of symptoms right? That don't necessarily have anything to do with one another. This is what I most commonly see. Digestive issues, thyroid issues, hair loss, but massive hair loss a lot. Like even some women get alopecia. Um, Vision issues, Um, lymphatic congestion. That's something I'm so passionate about, by the way, because the lymph system to me, (laughs) while all the systems in your body are so important, I would say that that's one of the most important because that's what carries out toxins and prevents Mm -hmm. disease. It's also um, ties in with your um, circulation. So I usually have um, pretty olive skin. I was so pale. It was scary looking. So I'm pale. At one point, I gained 58 pounds of inflammation. Oh my goodness. Oh, that is a lot. It was so scary. And I'm seeing my primary care, you know, and my primary care changed over the years because I had moved this guy. Oh, he was terrible. Um, you know, and I kept saying, I'm not feeling well and it must be my thyroid. He kept saying it's not, 
Well, then when I like the 58 pounds of inflammation, I went in one day and I said, okay, what's going on? I said, I look like the Michelin man. I said, this is really scary. You know what his response was? You just turned 40. You're gaining a couple pounds. Oh, I hate that. That is such a pet peeve. And it's so detrimental. So detrimental. It was so awful. So I said to him, I said, "Um, no. Um, I said, sir, inflammation on this level is a red flag that my brain and my organs are being protected. Like it is telling us something. Why am I the one schooling the doctor? I think that's what made me feel and make so many people feel so alone on the chronic illness journey. Because you're thinking, okay, if I ever get sick, when I get sick, these are the people who you go to, to help you. And they seem like they know less and don't really care to figure it out than I do. Right? So you're not actually making me feel better. I say it all the time. I feel like I was in the middle of the ocean, treading water, and I would see like the cruise ship go by with all my friends and family and doctors waving at me, but nobody is throwing you that life preserver. They're just letting you drown. So I say like I was treading water for seven years trying not to drown. Mm-hmm. trying to keep it together, trying to put a smile on my face every day, working every day. I was fortunate to have the resources to be able to go to all of these appointments. But that's what also makes me so upset for the average person. They don't all have the resources. They don't have the time. They're trying to put food on the table for their families They don't have the time to explore different options and go to all of these appointments because they're busy. I say it all the time. If I had been a mom, there is no way I could have cared for my children. I take my hat off to these women who are being moms, being wives. I I cry with them because I'm like, I don't know how you did it. I think you're so so amazing. Still makes me like teary eyed. I still get them. So, um, so this went on. Yeah. So thyroid digestion, hair loss, um, fatigue, fatigue on such a level. It's insane. Cause not only for me, I'm not really sleeping well, but, um, I also had got Epstein-Barr virus. Hmm. Now I had never had Epstein-Barr ever, but you know, obviously you come in contact with it at some point. I think a girlfriend of mine had it when we were in high school, Maybe I, and then, right. It lays, it can lay dormant in your gut, but then it can get triggered. Mm-hmm. Another thing I didn't know, breast implants dramatically affect your immune system. Again, no one tells you this. Yeah. And all these appointments and doctors and practitioners I'm seeing also no one asked, do you have an implanted medical device? Right. Right. And it makes sense because this is a foreign object. The body can't figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. And so it is constantly attacking it potentially or just constantly on red alert. And I love the analogy of like 
a little army. You know, if our immune system is an army mm-hmm. and 90% of that army is trying to address this chronic issue we have going on every single day, we only have 10% left to deal with whatever else we're getting exposed to. I love it how you say that because that is true. I always say like, if it's so busy fighting this foreign invader, it can't do its other, the rest of its job. So I also developed um, shingles at such a young age, you know, 38. Um, luckily, since I had the implants out, it's only come back once. And okay. I think it was just because I got a little bit run down. I don't think it's even going to probably come back again. Like, um, that was crazy. I'm like, shingles? Like, I had chicken pox when I was little, right? It's all in the same family. But like Epstein-Barr virus, right? I think these things lay dormant. And then when you get run down enough, they pop out. Anyway, but I had never had like herpes, that, you know, um, virus at all. So it was just kind of surprising. I was like, that's shingles. Wow. I thought older people got that. So, but again, and I'm not really thinking like immune system. Well, so when that happened, that same primary care who was not so great, (laughs) the guy who said, oh, you just are gaining a few pounds at 40. Two days before Christmas, 2015, I was probably at my worst, 2015 to 2018 when I figured it out. Because, right, it's getting worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing's getting better, not anything. The symptoms are like, now my list is up to like 38 different things. Um, and I did keep seeing to my mom, because again, intuitively, I said, it's like every system in my body is slowing down. And essentially it was, Mm -hmm. nothing was really working at full capacity, but that sounds so weird, right? Because my mom's listening, but she's like, Amanda, you've never even been sick in your life. She would always say that we've got the best genes. (laughs) I'm like, mom, something, I thought I ingested something. I thought perhaps, and tell me if this doesn't make sense. I thought I had mold. Yeah. Yeah. Totally did. And look at, there are so many women who have mold toxicity. It's not because of necessarily their implants. We have mold everywhere. But what we have found is it seems women with saline implants can have a tendency if they live in an environment with a lot of mold to get mold through their chest. But so that primary care, the same guy, two days before Christmas, 2015, he said, you know what? He was so frustrated because again, if they can't if you keep coming back and they don't have a solution, they're annoyed with you. I mean, that was my experience anyway. He says, he said, um, go get an AIDS test. An AIDS test? AIDS test. Okay. Literally went from talking about my thyroid to now it's go get an AIDS test. And I was so shocked. And I said, an AIDS test? Why, why are we going there when we were just, just talking about my thyroid? He said, because with people like you, who we can't, people like you, yeah, that's exactly, those were his exact words. With people like you, who we can't figure out, an AIDS test is just the next thing we go to. I was really at my lowest point. And so to have someone speak to me in such a callous way, I just, I don't want that to happen to anyone else. That's where I get really protective. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I didn't, I did not have, I was not positive for HIV. I didn't think I was going to be. Um, but I guess the only thing that he could have delivered in a better way 
you must have low immunity. Maybe that would have been like a better place to start. So then we could have started exploring, now why would you have such low immunity? Well, right. And it's just, I think at its simplest, we know that at least I believe, and I think there's enough science to support the fact that nothing happens in the body randomly, or at least it's very, very, very rare that something is happening randomly. There's almost always a physiological and or emotional root cause. Mm -hmm. And so when we are going from that basis, the body's under stress. Mm-hmm. Let's find the stressor. Yes. Is it emotional or is it physiological or is it a little bit of both? Right. And, you know, partly I will say I also had lived, you know, like in these two different cities. I didn't really get on the whole, which was surprising to me, the whole alternative medicine bandwagon mm-hmm. until like I was already kind of halfway through because I was mm-hmm. desperate. I had exhausted like all, what I thought were all my options in the Western medicine world. Um and I started seeing, I think I started with a nutritionist. I started just seeing a nutritionist and he was hilarious right here in Beverly Hills. So I started drinking more green juice and trying to, you know, alkaline my body more and so forth. And it might've helped a little, like if I, I would say, if I was doing my yoga, drinking my green juice, eating perfectly, I would have like good days. Right. But then the minute you tried to like do something like go to a birthday party and have some cake, which is sugar and some wine, the inflammation would just come right back. But I didn't know enough about health to know like, Mm -hmm. it's an inflammatory issue going on here. Right. And I think I was so desperate. I was kind of bouncing around from thing to thing. Like, well, I'm going to try some acupuncture today. Okay. That didn't really do anything. Okay. I'm going to go and try, you know, whatever Reiki tomorrow. And I think all of those practitioners were just lovely and amazing. Again, nobody asked, do you have an implanted medical device? Mm-hmm. And I just keep going back to that because I'm starting to see it now on more practitioners intake forms. And mm-hmm. I'm just happy to see that. Yeah, so many people have implanted medical devices, right? That they don't think about. In fact, they even say, you could say like, you know, have a surgery on like your knee. Let's say you injure your knee, you have surgery. They could use a medical staple you can go heal from the knee injury 10 years later, develop these symptoms. You're not going to trace it back to the medical staple, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I knew one of the implants. I even went so far, I was going to medical intuitives. Like I flew to Portland, Oregon. No, I, nothing would have stopped me. Like I was going to figure this out. I became obsessed with it. When I... I like, I applaud my clients and individuals who do that because I say, I say to them, first of all, I know you're starting to feel crazy. I know your family members, maybe are telling you this, but what is the alternative? You feel awful. There's only two options. Either you continue to chisel away and be a detective and work on this, or you just give up and succumb to it. And so you're over here deciding I am not going to give up regardless of what people say, regardless of what I have to try. And so applaud yourself, you know, give yourself a moment to thank yourself for doing that because the alternative is you just accept it and you start to wither away more and more. Yeah. And you know, I don't think you really realize who you are as a person until you've been through something like this. Because if you had asked me years before, like if you were chronically ill, like you... 
I don't think I would have known about myself just how strong of a person I was and how much I just wanted to live still. Mm-hmm. We don't think about those things, right? We take it for granted when we're young and we, I would just was wild and crazy and just thought that I would be healthy and live forever. And, you know, when, when you're faced with something like that, it really kind of shows like your true, you know, like truly who you are. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to get up and, but that would be if I had a sick family member or somebody, a friend, I would be just as steadfast in trying to help them find something. Yeah. yeah. When you, I mean, becoming a health coach, it really sounds like that absolutely is a huge source of fulfillment for yeah. you so, and a huge passion. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we'll fast forward a little bit. So I just kind of was miserable <laughs> all of that time seeing all these different practitioners though and saying to myself, wow, I just, I really... I could see in the future that I would be better, but I had no idea how I was going to get there. Right. But I just knew like somehow this is going to be a happy ending, but I couldn't see what path I had to take to get there. And, um, and so I went, I was just kind of going through those same years. Again, a lot of inflammation. Oh, I got to the point where I could no longer walk up a flight of stairs. And he wow. out twice a day. I, it's like I couldn't breathe. But I hear this so much in women. Now the patients that come in, they're like, I was great with my implants for such and such years. And then all of a sudden, it's like, I couldn't breathe. I was, And so I'm still not sure. I've talked to Dr. Brenner about that. We don't know if maybe scar tissue builds up, but there's something that's Hmm. going on um, with with women. Would you say too, was it like a pressure, like there's like a weight on your chest or maybe more of a tightness? It's Well, for me, I I felt like, yes, more like a weight to it. Okay. Like really heavy all of a sudden, but it didn't feel like that when I first got them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I hear everything from women, from tightness to pain developing to shortness of breath and the anxiety off the charts. And again, I'm not sure, like I had been anxiety prone before. I'm the first one to admit that. This was to the point though, where it's like, I couldn't even, and I'm here living now in Manhattan Beach, like life was good, right? Like I couldn't have been in a more beautiful space in the world. I I was happy in terms of just like what I was doing with my life, but it was just this constant, like, but I'm never going to be happy truly until I figure what out what this is. I couldn't even go to the grocery store. The anxiety was so bad. Wow. Mm-hmm. God. You're, and you again, <laughs> like for me as a natural wellness practitioner, I'm going, your limbic system is at its wit's end. It cannot take a single stimuli. Right. And it's just a sign of what's going on inside. But yeah, just finding out what is the key stressor here on the body. Yeah. And I mean, it was sad to me too, because this was a time in my life, because it was about 38 to 45, my age that I went through this. I wanted to settle down and have a family. I wanted to get married. You know, there's no way I wanted to date someone. You know, I did casually date the same person, but it was a cat. It was cat more casual because I didn't want to burden him. I also felt like I don't feel good about myself. 
even though he's thinking, oh, I think you're beautiful. I'm like, no, how can you say that? Look how puffy I am. My hair's falling out. I have no color in my face. Mm-hmm. I didn't even almost want to do anything with him. Like I would just like pick and choose when we could hang out based on like if I was feeling good that day or I could like pull myself together just to blow dry my hair was too difficult. It took too much energy. That's crazy, right? And I still don't know, was that more the Epstein bar? Is it just the fatigue that all the women say? I feel like the the point is just it usually it's rarely just one thing, right? Yeah. It all starts to compound. Now, when you were able to discover like here is the source of this chronic thing yeah. and remove that stimuli, yeah. everything else starts to work better. Everything else starts to heal up, you know, so maybe, maybe like not necessarily was the fatigue maybe from this, but that's not really even the point. The point is like, this is creating this downward spiral. And this is where the start of that spiral began. Yes. Yes. The cascade, the snowball effect, whatever you want to call it. But again, this is where Western medicine, they don't learn like that. And so they, that concept to them is like so out of left field where anytime I talk to a holistic practitioner, they're like, oh, I totally understand why that would happen. Just like you're explaining. So, um, so I'm in Manhattan beach. I'm, I'm living a happy life aside from being sick, but getting to this point where it's getting worse, definitely not getting better. I, I'm spending so much money. I spent $300,000 out of pocket over those seven years. Cause I had just, had exhausted my resources with, you know, Western medicine, I just gave up. I was like, they're not going to help me. So I need to go this route. So that might not sound like a lot of money over seven years, but that was on top of all the money that like insurance had paid for all the Western medicine. And now we're talking, I've had, you know, three breast surgeries. I've had the ER stay, you know, that was $30,000 for a few days. So the bills are piling up. So can you imagine that stress for people? Not only, right, are you not, but you're spending, and I was okay to spend the money, but like somebody give me a result. And you did leave, I will say, some of the alternative practices, and they just want to give you a bunch of supplements or a bunch of tests that are really expensive, but then the test didn't really show anything. And then I would say to them, okay, now if my gut though is not absorbing and not why give me all of these supplements? That seems to me like that would just put more um, right pressure on other organs, like your kidneys and your liver. Am I wrong? Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. And I think sometimes, of course, un- I think unintentionally, most of the time, there can be natural practitioners who end up doing the same thing the pharmaceutical industry is doing, but just with supplements. And it's great. It's great that these supplements aren't causing active harm, like many pharmaceuticals, but still the goal is to get that person to a point where they're not on anything, hopefully on a regular basis. Now, I know there's some people who argue, look, because our food is less nutrient dense, maybe we need this and that and this. That's a whole other conversation. But to your point, I think it's coming from a good place, but yes, the goal, the goal needs to be, if you're having to continually, for example, supplement mm-hmm. with X, Y, or Z, there's still something underlying going on. Oh yeah. Because these women too, who come to us, they have now gotten themselves, they've, they're on like 40 different supplements and they're looking at that as a crutch. And they're like, I can't give up my supplements even to have surgery. And I'm like, 
well, you need to, first of all, we have to have you stop those. But also I'm like, no, give your everything a break. Just let's, mm-hmm. do it. I just believe in that, like simple is better. I mean, my, my philosophy is, and my audience knows by now, I don't believe we should really be taking anything just on a regular daily basis for our entire lives. I think ancestrally, that was never the case. Right. We never had access to whatever, blueberries year round. Yeah. You know, so I change everything on a regular basis. Right. Even the coffee I'm drinking, I'll drink this bag right. and then I'll buy a different one. So like I'm I'm trying to give keep it in rotation. Now, of course, when we're in a sick state, yes, yes, we might need to be on something for a period of time to support healing. But isn't that funny? And do you know, like I don't even know if I should say this. I really don't take any supplements. Right now, there's not a single supplement that I'm taking on a daily basis, but I also am very intuitive with it. If I open up my cupboard and I'm like feeling a pull to take my beef liver capsules, oh, I'll take them. Okay. Yeah. So for me, it's become very intuitive, but I will say when I was in the thick of my own chronic illness, yeah. I was taking supplements regularly, probably six or seven supplements on a daily basis right. for a while. Yeah. yeah. No, and I'll do liquid whenever I can. So like for my vitamin C, so I do on occasion and I always take a probiotic. Yeah. So, and that's, you know, like there's, I think there's a really strong argument for some things like that to take regularly, but yeah. <laughs> During this whole um, pandemic, I thought at one point I might've had it and I didn't actually, as it turned out. I didn't get it sick. And here I thought, well, if anyone was going to get sick, it would be the girl who just had her implants out and had the low immunity. Uh-huh. Yeah. No. And I don't take anything. So, I mean, it just, I don't know. Well, I think one, it shows you how resilient and strong the body is when we're not poisoning it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and when we are giving it the just the key foundational nutrients it needs. A hundred percent. And if our food and our soil was even better, we would be on it. But anyway, that's a whole yeah, nother story. I know. <laughs> so, so how did you, like, what was finally the tipping point where you're like, something's here, I got to get these out. Yeah. So this was a tipping point. So my, one of my friends said, oh, I want you to check out my new colonic gal in Santa Monica. I said, oh, I've already got a girl who does my colonics. I said, I don't want anyone else even touching me, talking to me. Cause at this point you're so sick of telling the story. I don't even want anybody to ask me. My colonic girl was not available. So she's like, go to my girls. But it took me a couple of months to go to her. Right. So I go in, I said, hey, I've been sick for a long time. I don't even want to get into it. We'll just do our appointment today. But what I will say is my legs, because my legs are so thin and lean from all the dance and you know ballet and workouts that I've done, I just would point it out, not because I've got an eating disorder or anything else. I'd point it out as like, well, you guys say I look so healthy, but let me show you my legs. See, look how swollen they are with fluid and edema. What is that? So I would just point it out more like that. So I did to the colonic woman. I said, I've gained so much inflammation, my legs. I just don't feel well. So she does the session. And at the very end, she said, I know why you're sick. So matter of factly. Oh, wow. I don't know this woman. This is the first time I've met her. But I could tell, just like I can tell with you, she's very intuitive. So I said, oh, okay. You know, I'm just kind of humoring her because I'm thinking you're going to know, but at this point, I had seen overall from all the emergency room visits, plastic surgeons, doctors, 67. Oh my God. And the holistic practitioners. Wow. So it was like 67, I think. She said, 
it's your breast implants. And I said, my breast implants? I said, did you see what I do for a living? <laughs> and then, I wasn't trying to be rude, but right. it's like, yeah, I saw it. It's your breast implants. Like she just was not going to let go of this. And I had the same reaction that I see on women today when I talk to them. They're in denial. It's shocking. You're thinking, what? But at the same time, even though I left that day not convinced, something was resonating with me. Mm. And it would be in that week between Christmas and New Year's. It's so crazy. I had a sign every day. Oh my gosh. I couldn't ignore. This was God. He was like, Amanda, it's time. Yeah. The next day, a guy friend of mine called that I hadn't talked to in a while to wish me happy new year. I said, I'm still not feeling well. He said, you need to call my neighbor. You sound just like her. I don't know his neighbor, right? I, I called a stranger, right? Oh my gosh. I have chills. I and actually have chills. Oh my gosh. I thank him all the time for listening, like for a man too, you know, who, whose wife doesn't even have implants, right? And he's just calling me in to even think like that. Oh, you should call my neighbor. You kind of sound similar. So I call her. I'm telling her how I've been feeling. And she goes, it's your breast implants. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're saying this too? I said, why is everybody saying this all of a sudden? I work in plastic surgery. And she said, because it happened to me. Mm-hmm. And I, was, I think she was implant, explanted at that point two years. Gosh, I've never even heard of this. She said, you need to get in this Facebook group. It's got like almost a hundred thousand women in it. First of all, oh my god, wasn't a big social media person ever, but I had just gotten Facebook a couple of years before that. I didn't know that there were groups on Facebook. Yeah, especially a hundred thousand. Like I don't even know what she's talking about. And she said it triggered in me. She was thirty-six. It triggered in me what they thought were symptoms of dementia. I think that's what put me over the edge. I'm like, what are you talking? Like, what are you talking? Dementia. And we see now that there are women who will have symptoms of autoimmune or symptoms of some of these horrible illnesses, lupus, I see it all the time, but it's not a clear diagnosis. Like their ANAs will be high, but they have all the symptoms of it. And in some cases, the cases a lot that I've seen, when they remove the implants, those symptoms do get better. So she said that that was just so startling. And I said, okay, well, and I'm asking her, even though I'm the one in plastic surgery, I said, so I'll just put some saline ones in. And she said, no, 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 Amanda. No, you shouldn't put anything else in. And then in my mind, even though I'm not sharing it with her, I'm thinking, but you don't get it. I had a breast deformity. Am I going to return just back to where I started after mm-hmm. seven years of agony? Not even thinking that, of course, my breasts are not going to look the same. They're not going to, because now I'm older. I've had these implants in that have pushed the tissue out. I wasn't going to have, but you know, that's what your mind starts going to. Yeah. And I thought to myself, God's not going to put me through this just to bring me back to where I started. I, I just don't believe that. I don't believe that, you know? Yeah. And um, then the next day it was a billboard that said something about France banning implants. So all of those things were weird. <laughs> this is weird. This is crazy. I go into that Facebook group at the time. I can't remember. There are 150,000 women in there now. I don't know exactly the numbers, but it was high. I'm reading post after post of women. Everything sounds just like me. My hair is falling out. My vision's blurred. I can't walk up a flight of stairs. I feel like I'm dying. I thought I entered the twilight zone. I did. 
So I'm trying to digest all of that. And I'm like, this is weird. Like I'm in another world or something. So then I go and I'm not proud to admit this, but (laughs) it's true. And I don't do it anymore. But I was going in for Botox like several days later. Saw my practitioner. He was a facial plastic surgeon, not a breast surgeon, but he was a doctor and he had known I hadn't been feeling well. So as he's diluting the Botox, I'm talking, I'm like, oh, you'll never guess what they think is wrong now. Hoping that a medical professional is going to talk me out of it and say, oh, that's <laughs> crazy, Amanda. So uh, he goes, what? And I said, oh, they think that my breast implants are making me sick. And the way he reacted, he put the bottle down. You know how the little stools, there they are on little wheels. He scooted over to me and he looked up at me and he said, Amanda, if this is what you think this is, I've just had, I think it was like six patients recently who've all had breast implant illness. You need to remove these immediately. Wow. Like always joking around funny. I've never seen him serious before. And it scared me. It scared me because I'm expecting him to laugh it off. And he wasn't laughing at all. Mm. So okay, I'll make appointments, consultations this week. So that beginning of January, I did with, I'm like, I'm in Beverly Hills, the plastic surgery, beauty capital of the world. I couldn't be in better hands, right? I made appointments with three surgeons who my girlfriends had seen because I hadn't had my breasts done here. I go into all three thinking they're going to be like, oh my gosh, we're so glad you finally figured it out. Let us help you. Let's get these out. This is what it is. Complete opposite. They told me that this was not a real illness. There is no illness that's associated with breast implants, that this was a social media phenomena. All of these women were crazy. And at this point, I'd already been in the group with all those women. And so the first doctor who said it, I was kind of like weird, but I didn't really speak up a lot. And he said, we must put another implant in you. So if you want to do saline, whatever, but you're not going to be happy, you're going to be deformed. I understand now what he was trying to say, because when you remove them, there is a chance that they can have contour deformity, right? It's mm-hmm. a reconstructive procedure at that point. You can't just plop them out like you put them in. I get what he was saying, but saying that word triggered in me the past, like, oh my gosh, you're saying that I'm going to look be deformed again. Like I've already gotten past that. So I left his office. A few days later, saw someone else. Same thing. This isn't true. So you're not going to feel any better by removing them. And I like by that time said, I go, I was just in a group with like a hundred thousand women who all sound like me. And it seems that when they get their implants out, they get better. So I felt like they were taking away this little glimmer of hope. I'm like, I've tried everything else. Nothing is getting better. I'm getting worse. I've got to, I've, I've got to do, I have to do this. I even had friends in my life who I was sharing it with one of my friends who I love. He's an anesthesiologist. And he's like, Amanda, this is crazy. Your breast can't make you sick. He's like, you're going to get them out. You're going to spend all this money and you're going to be disappointed. And I'm like, I'm not going to listen to you. Like I was getting upset with them because I'm like, you're taking away my hope. Please support me. Mm. And they didn't do anything wrong. They just couldn't see it. Yeah. I laugh now because now he sees like my Instagram and how many followers I'm like, and now do you see that I was right? Right. But he doesn't ever say that, but it's okay. So um, then, yeah, by the third doctor, I said, you know what? 
you let me worry about what it's going to look like because I can't feel like this anymore. And I just knew that even now speaking to other women, when the doctors have a reaction, the surgeons like that, you just know in your heart, this is not going to be my surgeon. Hmm. And that's okay. That's what consults are for. That's why you should go and have multiple consults, whatever the surgical procedure is. So I went home and I did something I'd never done before. I say this all the time because I think it's really important. I've always believed in God. I always lived my life like, okay, God's watching. Like God watches all of us. He's always around us. But I never prayed. And I realized this was my surrender. I was on my knees in my bedroom. Like, God, if this is what you think, if this is what it is, and I am kind of starting to think it might be, if you find me a surgeon who will take these out and support me and listen to me, I even bet it's going to look great. I'm going to put all my faith in you. I mean, that's kind of crazy to even talk like that when I have surrendered in my life. I'm a control. Yeah. Yeah. That's how desperate I was. And a couple of days later, and I wasn't even maybe connected at the time, I Googled again, explant surgeon Beverly Hills. And a completely different surgeon popped up that I didn't know, Dr. Kevin Brenner. And just something told me, make that appointment. This is a sign. Mm-hmm. I went in, I looked horrible. I could only wear sweats because I couldn't fit into anything anymore. And I refused to like change my whole wardrobe because I'm like, I'm going to get back to how I was. Um, you know, hair falling out, so pale. I mean, I looked very sick, I'm sure. I go in, it's like, and this is like it for me. Like if he is opposed, I don't even have the strength to go to another one of these consults. I told him my story and I said, and I just, it's resonating with me. I think that I should remove them. And he listened. And then at the end he said, I've been seeing this a lot more lately and I've been explanting more women. He said, and he goes, well, based on what you're saying, I think it wouldn't be a bad idea to take them out and leave them out. And also he was reconstructive, just so happy. Mm-hmm. I always knew that with you know plastic surgeons, somebody like he who does deformities, you know, um, accidents, like if someone has an accident, right? He would be the guy. He does a lot of Mohs repair. So I thought you, you've dealt with complicated things. So knowing that I had a breast deformity, you know, I just want to make sure that I don't care what size they are. I've never needed big boobs before. I just want them to look normal. And so he said, we'll do it. And I said, when can you get me in? I, I mean, I think I might've even like paid that day. I was like, just let's do it. And I, he did, he got me in three weeks later and I was the most nervous I have ever been in my life. I was nauseated every day for two weeks. Oh. Nauseated. It was awful. That's how scared I was. Because you're excited, but you're so scared. And I think mm. you're scared more than how I was going to look. Because at that point, you don't even care anymore about vanity. Um, I think it was, what if I don't get better? Right, right. Or if I get worse, what if this triggers something else and I get even worse? Yeah. It happens all the time when women re-augment. They might have a few of the symptoms and then they get new implants and then they get sicker after that surgery because it lowers your immunity and Mm -hmm. it's physical stress to the body. It makes total sense. It was his whole staff though, because you you don't meet the surgical staff before you have surgery. I'm being met by his nurse first thing in the morning. And they were all so lovely and so compassionate. I hadn't really experienced that. 
I'd had a couple of employees over the years that I connected with, but I hadn't seen them any that were really compassionate. And the nurse we were talking and I love her, Rosie. She's amazing. And she's like, you're going to get better today. Oh. And I just started bawling. I said, I, I am like, you can't even imagine. You think you're never going to get better. You think that this is what's going to ultimately kill you. You're never going to figure it out. Then the anesthesia, anesthesia provider comes in. He says the same thing. He's like, I think you're going to get better today. And I'm looking at him like, so wait a minute. You guys all know what this is? And they're like, oh yeah. And we've been explanting more women lately, it seems. I'm like, then how did these other doctors try to tell me that? So that's very confusing. Yeah. I'm crying with Dr. Brenner as he's drawing on me. And I just remember being the most vulnerable because I'm just not a vulnerable person. And that caused me issues over the years, you know, in relationships and stuff. I was like, I'm never going to be vulnerable. So mm-hmm. don't anybody ask me to be, if it means I'll never get married, fine. Cause I'm just too proud and I've got my walls up and I'm just not going <laughs> to relent as he's drawing on me. Like I'm crying. I'm like, please don't make me look like a little girl because you know, I think it triggers back the wounding that we have. So I think it's like my, that little girl in me that was trauma, had the trauma from my father's death and the trauma from having the deformity. And He's like, you're not going to look like a little girl. And I just remember getting on the operating table and thinking to myself, how did I get so lucky to find these people? Oh, wow. And I realized that was the first time I think in my life that I had real gratitude. True gratitude. You know, because I'd had a pretty easy, amazing, very privileged life up until now. Yes, there was some tragedy. And yes, but I always felt like I'm really lucky. I have it all. Um, and so this was the first time in my life that it's what we see now. It's the breakdown of the ego. There were so many lessons in that for you. I think that's what's so beautiful about it is, yes, yes, maybe this was a health journey and a health awakening to get you to maybe what your calling was, is yeah. to be a part of this field. But it also seems like God, the universe, whatever you call it, used this journey to also get you to that spiritual awakening too. Yes. Yes. And I love that. And I do think that it is a spiritual awakening for a lot of these women. They all seem to feel like this is their awakening. So I, they came out, I recovered from surgery. It actually wasn't that bad. It's not like putting them in where they put it under the muscle. I didn't really have any pain myself. Doesn't mean that there isn't pain, but Everybody's different, but I would say that most women don't experience as much. I slept though. I slept, but I remember for the first five days, it was, that was my first aha that like, okay, this is working because I wasn't able to sleep through the night in years, right? My adrenals were all off. My cortisol levels were completely backwards, inside out, upside down. Um, And then some of the inflammation started going away. I kind of started getting the color back. I started walking because I am an avid walker. My hair wasn't falling out as much. My vision improved. And then over time, you know, I slowly healed my gut. Then I did some things. I I did end up having to go on some natural thyroid medication. I needed that yeah. at the end of it. I had resisted it for a long time and I did. I would say though, and I had detox waves, you know, for the first nine months. Um, it, but it took about two, two and a half years 
to really feel like I'm better. Yeah, yeah. And this, I'm so glad you pointed that out because this is sometimes we, I think we have an expectation that, oh, if I'm not better in a month, this isn't it or whatever. Healing does take time. And at least what I've learned in naturopathic school is it's sort of like the the last symptom to occur is the first to go away. Yeah. The first symptom to occur is the last one to go away. So if the hormones were the first thing that went off, yeah. that's what's going to take the longest yeah. to heal. Makes so, sense. That totally makes yeah. sense. And I hear it every day from my followers on Instagram because I'm lucky enough to have an account that I just have all of the women from not only across the world, but across the country. And so I get to hear, even if they didn't see us and have their explant with us, I get to hear, you know, how are you healing? How are you doing? And, you know, I will get those DMs and they're like, okay, so I just explanted last month. I am just not feeling like a hundred percent yet. And I say, oh, it takes time. It's not. Now I do think when your immune system's on overdrive like that, both Dr. Brenner and I think this, that really makes you feel poorly. So I think when you get them out and your immune system has a chance to start relaxing, that's why a lot of women say like, I feel better already, you know, because you do feel a lot better. Don't get me yeah. wrong, but I don't want to let anyone think I healed overnight. That's just not right. possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. possible. So I'm very realistic. About that. So I'm so excited to hear I want you to kind of give us a teaser of what you're doing now because you, you've you kind of developed this whole holistic team around yeah. us and I'd love to hear about that. Yeah. And so I'll just try to sum it up. You know, in 2012, while I was sick, interestingly enough, I was working for another Beverly Hills prominent um, surgeon and I kept saying, because I'm intuitive, the future is all going to be holistic. The future is going to be holistic. Let's blend the two. Thinking that I remember saying to him, I go, and you don't even have to give me a job because I know you're not going to be into this, but I need you to know that I've been sick. And so like, I'm really into the whole holistic thing now. And he's like, stop. He's like, I think it's awesome. He's like, let's do it. And we were doing IVs back then to prep Mm -hmm. patients for surgery. I created um, a non-toxic skincare line. I was doing all these great things while I was sick with the breast implants saying, this is what the future is going to be. Right. It's so bizarre. And it's like now fast forward to 2020, well, 20, when really I started doing this with Dr. Brenner, I had finished with my surgery. I took six months to heal. And I thought, wait a minute, what am I going to do? I can't go sell implants again. Like that never even occurred to me. Right. This is all happening so fast. And I just knew that there was no way I was going to sell another one, not until we figured out what was going on with these and why there were so many sick women. I just, from an integrity standpoint, couldn't. I even went and had to do hair restoration for a while just to do something completely different. And I didn't love it. It was kind of cool working with men. They were all very nice, but it just wasn't my jam. Um, And so about six months after my surgery, Dr. Brenner said, would you want to come and handhold my patients through the, their explant journey? Because he said, I just feel so terrible. And at this point, I had sent him to like 20 more patients. I don't know. If wow. it, was, it was a lot. Um, and he's like, wow. And they're all getting better. Like, so, you know, he was seeing it so much. And he said, I think you could really help them since you've been through it. I said, are you kidding? That would be like my dream job. And I was planning on going to school to become a health coach. Cause I knew I needed to do something like that. 
So we started, we did an amazing two-part episode for um, KTLA, all about my journey and a girlfriend of mine who went through the same thing. We were both sick with BII for 10 years, like 10 years when we met, like, you know, 10 years before we were both sick with it, but we didn't know. And then I moved back to LA. So when we connected again, she's like, I've been so sick. I'm wondering if it's my breast implants. So we followed her story for the show. We, our phone started ringing off the hook. All of these women, they just sounded like me, sounded like exactly what I'd been through. One day, right before COVID and quarantine, we saw 11 patients in one day with BII. Wow. It was like 11. That's a lot <laughs> for a yeah. surgery office. It was a lot of patients. Every single one. Oh, I went through a divorce and all of the symptoms came. Oh, I fell off a bike and all of the symptoms came. And I remember at one point, Dr. Brenner, like putting his pen down, almost like the patient wasn't in front of us. And he looked at me and he said, this is crazy. I said, I know. And I said, and there are hundreds of thousands of other women sick. And then he's looking at me probably like, that's crazy. He goes, and I remember he said, you don't think that we would know about it if there were hundreds. I said, I don't know what to tell. So now he believes me because he's seen it with his own eyes. You know, you still have these doctors who are saying to us, this isn't real. This many women can't be sick. We're making it up. And even he said, I don't care if somebody thinks I'm a quack. I know I'm not. I know that I'm a reasonable person, but I've any doctor surgeon who has seen enough of it, you know, it's real. Right. Well, and at that point, this is what like my whole shtick with all of this is there are circles out there that are like, if there is not a double blind peer reviewed clinical study on it, I don't believe it. And I'm like, first of all, we have operated for thousands of years without peer reviewed journal articles. We know some stuff, but also a doctor's anecdotal experience in their practice is profound totally, and should be listened to. Yeah. 100%. But we're talking about breast implants, which is like the number one medical device, right? It's a lot of surgeons' bread and butter. It wasn't Dr. Brenner's bread and butter because he does all sorts of different surgeries. And I just want to point out and be very, very clear about this. I am not trying to ban implants. I am not saying that everyone's going to have this reaction because they certainly don't. Some of my own girlfriends are totally fine and healthy. I don't want anyone to be sick. It's not like I'm the type of girl who says, oh, they didn't work out for me, so I don't want any it to work out for any girl. I'm not that kind of girl. I'm like a cheerleader for people. I'm like, great, do you. If that's what you want, they didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. And all I can say is like one of my closest advocate friends, she had double mastectomy and used implants, sick immediately, got them out within four months. When you have a deformity or you have breast cancer and need them for reconstruction, we want these to work out. Yeah, of course. We really want them to work out. So it's not like I'm this anti and, you know, miss, now I miss natural, but I I wanted them to work out. So, but I don't want people to be sick. I hear these stories every day. These women have lost their careers, their husbands, friends, family members because of their chronic illness that they couldn't find out, figure out. We've explanted women like in their 70s who even say like, you know what? I've been sick for 50 years, you know, as long as breast implants have been around, they got like the first ones. And they're like, you know what? 
I'm going to get them out at 70s, whatever years old. And as long as they're healthy enough for surgery, you know what I always say? It's never too late to regain your health. Yes. For you. Yes. Good for you. Right. It's like they just want to know that it was that. Yeah. How heartbreaking it is to hear these stories every day. These surgeons have no idea. And I would say, and I always hold out hope that more and more will join in, more and more will start acknowledging this. And we can have in our next episode when we have Dr. Brenner on, let's talk about that then. Yes, that would be so amazing because I think. First of all, under, being able to understand, yeah, what should I be looking out for? What's the process like? What can I expect? Also, how can I prepare my body for a mm -hmm. surgery, even if it's just an explant? All those things. Beautiful. I'm so excited to cover. Beautiful. We'd love to. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Amanda. And as always, everything will be linked in the show notes so everyone can just find all those resources really quickly. Awesome. You're the so best. Thank you so much. Yes. Yeah.